you you can do right by your community. You can do right by the people that you're trying to serve. All the good that you put out in the world does not mean that you need to hide your brand and that your brand is here to do a job for part of the community as well. So the fact that those two things dovetail is the way it should be, not something that you have to explain. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I am Steve Fretzen, as the announcer just told you. Hope you're having a lovely day today. Listen, it is all about being that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Part of the time I try to bring on guests that are experts in marketing or branding or time management, et cetera. Sometimes I try to bring on rainmakers who just tell you how to go out and, and close deals and, and, and make it rain and all that. And sometimes I've got a hybrid, someone that is kind of doing it all and, and has all these different angles and elements and ways that he's done things that's unique. And, and today's no different. My guest is Brian Lobovic. He's the CEO, co-founder of Lobovic Law Group. And before we get into your background, Brian, the quote of the day is a Jesse Jackson quote. And I think it really is in line with what we're going to be talking about today. Never look down on anybody unless you're helping him up. All right. So talk about that quote and what that means to you and how that sort of relates to you. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited about this. That quote is such a great quote for me. When you when you told me that was something you were thinking about, I'm so honored that that would be it because I really, I come from people that were very humble people. My parents are humble people and I come from a humble place and my whole life has been spent trying to be the, the, the person who helps another person up. So I've had this kind of romantic fantasy about being a knight in shining armor to people, about being that that person who gets justice for other people and helping somebody up is is really all about what I want to do in my life. Like yeah. that servant principle is who I am. And I feel very similarly. I wrote an article because I keep hearing, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. And, and I, I think that that's not necessarily true. People can get burned out on things that they love and they do it every day, then they no longer love it. And my thing has been, do what you love to do for others. And so I'm like, I just want to use every little piece of talent or ability that I have to try to build other people up. And when I hear a great success story, someone hitting their numbers, someone getting their first new client, someone that's executing on the plans that we worked out together, like that's it. That's for me, that's what matters. That's what, you know, that's what gets me going every day. So I think we're, we're looking at it a little bit differently, but at the same point, it's all about helping other people and bringing them up. And that's really just a wonderful mindset, I think, to have. Yeah. Um, I really believe that you have to give to get. And whatever you need, you have to give first. So if you need love in your life, give love to people. If yeah. you need help in your life, go help people. If you're sad in your life, go help other people to be happy. And when you do that and you give first, the world brings it back to you tenfold. Yeah. The karma police arrest you. And they say, hey, it's enough karma out of you. Let's get you some karma. That's it. Uh, so give give a little bit on your background because you've you've kind of come a long way with where you've been and where you are. So maybe talk that out a little bit. So I I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm very proudly a Steelers fan. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, 
And I, I went to Miami of Ohio and then came down to Florida for law school. I fell in love with Florida. I am a total Florida guy now. And uh, being a lawyer, I'm the first person in my family to graduate college. So getting to be a lawyer was kind of a great thing. And I wanted to be a prosecutor when I came out. I wanted to be a trial lawyer. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I really, I wanted to go out and, and, and make some money in the world, but also do good by people. And I fell into injury law because when I got out of law school, I didn't think that was the direction I wanted to go. And uh, when I had an opportunity to do it, I really fell in love with it. And it's been a great path for me because I've learned over time that my, my conservative, cynical self, when I came out of, of law school, being kind of a conservative guy, was that PI lawyers were out, you know, not really representing people that needed justice, but that, you know, were scamming the system or were doing something wrong. And I really learned to love these people who are hurt. They need help. They need justice. And they are fighting against incredible odds because the insurance companies and big corporations have all of the capacity to defend themselves. And unless they've got people working for them like myself and like many other very solid plaintiff's lawyers in the world, they're going to get trampled on. So I love what I do. Well, that's the first thing, loving what you do and helping others, as we just mentioned. And then what are some of the things that you were challenged by trying to build a law practice, build a law firm, and maybe other things that you see other lawyers challenged by? You know, it's interesting. I think the first thing is that I am a serial entrepreneur. And one of the things that was very hard for me was to not chase bright, shiny toys. So I would start something and I would get involved in it and then I would see another direction. And I see opportunities at every curve. And so being able to discipline myself was probably my first hardship because I didn't discipline myself when I was younger. And we went on a lot of interesting paths, but that were not such profitable paths. So that was fun. That's so funny. It's like we were, we were born from a different mother, but, but very much the same. I, I, I've shared that I've run as many as four businesses at once and they were all aligned, but, but God, they were all shiny pennies and they all looked pretty at the time. And you just can't split yourself to that many things and, 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 and trying all those new, I like that. I try new things like that's that entrepreneurial spirits there. But you know, when you take away energy from one thing to do something else, it's never going to be as good as if you put all your energy into one thing, right? I'm a very slow learner. It took me about 25 years. (laughs) (laughs) I've done a lot of things like you and run a lot of organizations. and, And it wasn't until recently, probably in the last four or five years, that I've realized that the less I take on and the more focused I get, the more successful I am. Yeah. Well, listen, I think that's an important, I mean, if, if, if someone's listening to this and they take nothing else away, maybe they have to make their own mistakes like you and I have, but maybe they'll also say, you know what, there's a shiny penny I'm looking at right now. And based on what I'm hearing from Brian and Steve, maybe I really want to maybe give it a little bit more of a second guess because, you know, that might distract me from what my true initiative is or where my core focus needs to be. So I think that's important. Yeah. I think you need to know yourself and you need to know what you love and you need to, to really commit yourself to that ambitious goal and not to be afraid of it and not to chase another fun thing because it looks like it's, you know, quick buck. Yeah. So what, tell tell us about your current firm and and, because you've had dramatic growth in the last, you know, year or two and talk about where it started in tech, talk about what the, what that, what that trajectory was and, and up to recently. So we, we, I started, well, talk about not being articulate. Wow. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, take so two. I Snap. started, yeah, exactly. As a litigator, I should be able to speak. We started the practice here in Jupiter 30 years ago on Friday. Will be my 30th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And we have grown and grown with our community. And when I first started for the first 15, 17 years of it, it was dramatic growth and easy growth and everything we touched turned to gold and every piece of property I bought turned to gold. And I just add the hubris of youth is what I call it, of youthful success under me. And uh, 2009 and 10, the, the Great Recession, they call it, that was a very interesting learning moment for me. And so we took a step back in that moment. And then we were stable from about 2011 through 2017, where I just kind of got my feet about me. And it was, a, it was an interesting thing because, you know, everybody goes through different experiences, right? And I would say I came through that experience and all of the things that came after it. So there was all these teamwork breakdowns that came after it. And we were trying to run a better business and trying to figure out, you know, what direction we were going to go. And we, we had lots of things we did. I mean, back in 2007, 8, and 9, we were doing bankruptcy, mortgage modification, criminal, civil, family law you know, all this stuff So on, on top of the things that I knew, which was personal injury. And it wasn't until about 2017 that my leadership team and I went through what I called leadership therapy. And we had a, um, a team come in from a company called Operation Explorer, Jeff Boyd, an amazing guy, Jeannie Jessup, who was his kind of second in command at the time. And they came in and spent a year with my, my firm and my leadership team and they forced me to go backwards a step and to say, who are you? What do you want to be? What's your vision? What's your dream? What's your thought process? What are your real core values? What's your mission statement? Like get back focused on who you were and who you want to be. And we took that year and we took a long time to come up with those concepts. And really, it's interesting. You don't realize the value of leadership when you're the leader. You know, you don't really realize the value add that you're offering with regard to your concept of where people want to go because people follow that dream. People want to be attached to that forward motion. And when we got through with that, we kind of had this amazing foundation. We shed everybody who wasn't on board with our mission and our vision and our core values. We started to judge our teammates under this auspices of, I don't know if you know Patrick Lencioni. But he wrote this great book, Ideal Team Player, and it allowed us to judge behaviors against those ideal team player behaviors and be able to articulate why people were acting within or without our core value structure. And, and things started to move. And so in like 2018 and 19, they started moving forward and we did better and better, a little bit incrementally. And then COVID came. And People had a really hard time in COVID. I think back about when 2008 and 9 came and this great recession came, I leaned out of it. I was afraid of it. I was afraid for my future. I didn't pick a direction and lean into it. It took a long time to recover from that. And instead, I leaned into COVID and I said, all right, if this is where we are, this is what we can do. This is where we're going to go. We've got a vision, a mission, a direction, values. We just need to push hard, hard. I went out and I got a line of credit and I, and I said, we're moving. That's it. We're going, right? And everybody like miraculously jumped on board 
And, uh, and we just, we bolted forward. And the good thing is that part of my job is to be the trial lawyer for the firm, but all the trials stopped. So I could work nothing but on the firm instead of in the firm yeah. for 18 months. And that was a gift. That wow. was a gift. And we went from 31 people to 75 people, 74 people, as we sit here today. And we went from $4.8 million, $5.5 million, right in that range for you know seven, eight years to this year, we're going to be more than $15 million. Oh my God. Well, that is an, that's amazing. And again, you know, sometimes we have to look at not taking advantage of a bad situation and, 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 you know, where, but, but a way to, to leverage it, to rise up and to carry people with you. Right. And so I can say the same thing. I was mostly focused in Chicago doing live training in person. Most of my clients were in Chicago and I don't know, 60,000 lawyers in Chicago. Why do I have to travel anywhere else? And COVID opened up the country to me like nothing I've ever seen. And now about, I don't know, 50, 45, 50% of my clients are national. I've got every tip of the, of the, of the country covered. So, and, and yes, I've spent more time on marketing, started a podcast, right? All this stuff has gone on. So it's, it's, it's just, it's nice when you can take something that's, that's obviously we want to be, you know, you know, we want to be sensitive to how horrible, horrible and, you know, a, a COVID has been. However, we also need to look at it as an opportunity as you have to develop and grow and be thoughtful about how we're going to transition. Yeah. I got to give kudos to a couple of people that really helped me with that. Um, there's a guy named Tim McKee at Vista Consulting. He was great at this. Like, like, you know, he's one of these mastermind groups that he runs that I'm in, and he's kind of the coach of that. And uh, and then there's a guy in a company called Crisp Video named Michael Mogul. And Mogul went crazy with putting videos out there and all this stuff. And he was like Mr. You know, cultural motivation guy, cult of personality, created like a competition with a bunch of us you know, doing all this crazy video stuff about how we're going to grow through COVID. And he did a great job getting everybody mentally ready for the battle of this is not great. We know, but let's, let's do the best that possibly, you know, that's possible in this era. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to and tr- kind of transitioning a little bit, another thing that I really identified in, in researching you and talking with you prior to this interview was your interest in helping others not as a lawyer, but as an educator through your book, uh, not a good neighbor, and through just just other you know things that you've that you've been working on to 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 again bring people up. So can you talk to that a little bit and how that's not really you know, wasn't meant to be a profit center, but it but but maybe that's been a side effect of it that it's helped you carry your brand up. Yeah, the book was really intended to help people that I couldn't get to help. What ends up happening when you become an established injury lawyer is that you start talking about case values and the ability to help people that are most hurt. And when you come out of law school, you'll take any case that's possible, right? And you'll just go after anything. And as you become more established, you start to work on bigger cases, right? So at this point, there's a number of cases that we simply can't handle and that probably a lot of lawyers wouldn't want to handle because the profit margin in them is, is very small. And those people are not going to get justice unless they get some help. And we're looking for a way to try to help those people get some justice in their cases. So I did the book so that I had something that I could, that I had in the world that would help people 
help themselves. And then, and then there's a lot of people that aren't going to call a lawyer no matter what, right? Like they just don't like plaintiff's lawyer. They don't like the idea. They're not one of those people. Whatever that thought is in their head, at least now they they have something, a resource that they can go and not be taken advantage of by the insurance company. Because I dislike the insurance companies more than I dislike the fact that they're not going to call me. So so be it. Like I'd rather have them have the book. And it's not, I mean, the book itself doesn't make any real profit. I mean, that's yeah. not that's not where their profit in selling books, at least not self-help books. So, but but the other thing that I've done, which I think you'll find very interesting, is that for 10 years I was involved in going out to the schools, the local public schools, and teaching kids not to text and drive, drink and drive, you know, like be safe in, in the car. And COVID kind of right in that era stopped the the foundation is doing that work. It stopped them from moving forward and they lost their executive director. And some things happened, some time passed, a couple of years passed. And I found out that their executive director was not happy where she was. And I reached out to her. And four months ago, we started a new foundation called the Safety for Life Foundation. We hired her on, we've started our own foundation and it has bolted forward in a way that I couldn't even imagine. There's a book, I think, called Who Not What, and it talks about when you get the right people in the right seats on the bus, things yeah. bolt forward, the right who's, you know, like get, get the right who. She is the right who. And, and within a month, like I thought, oh, we'll take, it'll take time. Well, you know, we did this in July. I mentioned it to her. By August, she was up and running. By September, we were out in schools. We've got safety fairs. In fact, today, there's a safety fair at one of the local high schools where we're out teaching kids, don't text and drive, drink and drive, have an effect with those kids through the Safety for Life Foundation. And, and we're really proud of that. I've got the state attorneys involved in it. The fire chiefs are involved in it. The safety coalition is in it. We've got 42 major charitable players in Florida and governmental entities in Florida that are combining into this program. And we're creating four levels of impactful programs for our community. One is traffic safety. One is internet safety, dovetailing into human trafficking safety. And then we're going out into minority communities to promote police, police interaction safety. So how to safely relate to the police, bringing the police to minority communities to get better communication between the two of those people. Now, I want to be very sensitive with my next statement, which is this, that there are people that just go out and advertise and you've had an accident, call me and they're just, they're just hitting you with ad, 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 ad. And there's people that do marketing, business development, and, and what you're doing with the foundation, with the book, it, it, the most important thing, and I know that this is the case, is about helping others and doing what's right for other people. And I have a teenage son. He's 14. He's going to be driving next year. Like The most important thing is that he's safe and, and hopefully doesn't do the things I used to do, which you know my father used to grill me like, well, hey, why'd you park on the, on the, on the, on the lawn? Well, we don't have to get into the details of why I parked on the lawn. Let's just say my vision wasn't so wasn't so yeah. great. You know, I'm you know, glad I, you made it to the lawn. I mean, happy I, I made to it say. to the lawn. We'll just leave it, it at that. Does. But but the point is, is that you're you're doing things that are for the right reasons. But I also want to just add that it doesn't hurt when you're in the practice of law to do things that are right for others, but it also might reflect back on your brand within the legal space. There's no doubt about it. I mean. You, you can do right by your community. You can do right by the people that you're trying to serve. All the good that you put out in the world does not mean that you need to hide 
your brand and that your brand is here to do a job for part of the community as well. So the fact that those two things dovetail is the way it should be, not something that you have to explain. Yeah. And it's not, it's not manufactured intentionally to get that result. That's a side effect of doing what's right. I'll tell you, one of the things that I don't like about practicing law is that we get very little long-term feedback or enjoyment from what we do because there's no physical thing that happens. So I've built a couple things in my life, houses and my office building, et cetera. And I get great pleasure looking at the physical thing that I have, the, the, the thing that I built, right? I'm very romantic about that. And I don't get that out of the law very much, right? But being involved in this organization, the one that I was in before I started Safety for Life that kind of folded up when we wanted to go to the schools, is that, for example, just a few weeks ago, I was at Starbucks and the barista said to me, are you Mr. Lebovic? And I said, yes, I am. I thought she knew me from a commercial or something because I am on TV. And she goes, yeah, I remember you because six years ago you were in my high school and you talked to us about drinking and driving and texting and driving. And you scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> Every day since then, if I ever go out with my friends, you're in my head and I can't get you out of my head. And I'm and I have never drove drunk. I don't text and drive. I don't let anybody text and drive. Everybody's belted. She goes, I want you to know you really had an effect on my life. I get the chills when I think about it. Yeah. That makes me so that's that's my physical building in the sky that I know that I affected a human being positively and kept a young girl safe through her teenage and young 20s. That yeah. that makes me so happy. Wow, that's fantastic, man. And and th- listen, this is this is why I'm enjoying this conversation so much because I think. It's the it's the things that we give back and 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 the and the result of that, the long term result that it has on other people's lives and uh, and in particular saving lives. I mean that's really what it comes down to for you and in, in the things that you're doing outside of practicing the law. I mean there you're maybe helping someone out of a bad situation and there's value in that obviously, but then the proactivity on the other side of it being you know they haven't been in an accident yet and you hope that they never do, and you're yeah. offering them some fear <laughs> some fear fear-induced content to, you know, avoid things that, that might happen. What I say to them is not nice. So I do, <laughs> I do, I do come off as kind of a bad guy. Yeah. That's all right. Important. It's important. They know that bad guys are out there, right? Like we're, we're not the bad guys. What they don't realize that they are the bad guys. And I, yeah. and I, and I let them know if you go on and you get into an accident and you're drunk or you're texting and you hurt somebody, you're going to be the bad guy and no one's going to have sympathy. You're not going to be able to cry your way into daddy getting you out of it by saying you're sorry. It's going to stick with you. It's going to be awful. You're going to feel terrible about it. And it's going to last. It's going to be a mark that lasts. Yeah. You don't want luck to be the reason that you're still around. And uh, you you want to make sure that you're controlling up things you can control. So I want to get to the three best of in a moment, but I want to wrap up with something You know, with all your experience and all the different things, mistakes you've made, and you've shared a few kind of aha moments that you've had. But if you're talking to a solo practitioner that wants to scale, if you're talking to someone who who maybe isn't as focused as you are at their at this stage in his or her career, what would you say, what would you say to the attorneys listening that really need to kind of get it together, get to the next level? Like you got one shot at this, make it count. What 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 kind of advice would you provide? I would say start with yourself and know yourself and know what you really want to do. Like don't 
get naked about it and be very honest and be as honest with yourself as you possibly can be. And once you can get to that mission that you love and can believe in, then write your dream down on paper, put down the values that you think are on paper, give yourself a mission, and then go start to fulfill that mission. Just work mm-hmm. on that. And the, the more you can niche it, the smaller you are and the more you can niche it and have a niche practice, the faster you'll grow, right? Yeah. The more be you know, be known for one thing, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the smaller you are, the more a niche is important for sure. And another thing I've picked up that I think would help people get there is leverage a mentor, leverage a lawyer that's been there, done that, leverage a coach. You've worked with how many, I mean, Jeff Boyd, and you mentioned books from Patrick Lancioni, and like, it's not something people are doing on their own. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I mean, I really, I don't think that I took off until I finally started to take advice. Yeah. And I got coaching. Yep. No doubt. Coaching, yep. coaching made all the difference for me. Yeah. And for me too, I'm not, I'm not, you know, just cause I'm a coach, I'm not immune to it. I mean, I wouldn't be in the business I'm in today, helping as many attorneys as I try to help without having worked with coaches and, and having a couple of really significant aha moments and changes in, in my career path and my, you know, just not being able to see clearly cause I'm in it. Right. Sometimes I need someone, you need someone else to look at it for me and say, you know, you're doing X, Y, Z, right. But here's a couple thoughts on, on improvements. Yeah. Well, there's, there's nobody amazing out there who doesn't have a coach. Yeah. Tiger Woods has a coach. Tom Brady has a coach. Everybody has a coach. Yeah. So. Well, listen, just fantastic. And, and, and let's move on to the three best of, and you're in a beautiful area of the country, Palm Beach Gardens. And so if I'm coming down there and I'm going to visit you and I, I'm going to make a trip down to Florida at some point, and I normally hang out on the West side, cause that's where my dad is on Marco Island, but I, I can't avoid coming across. Now I've got too many friends now over on the East side. So I'm going to come over and visit. What would be the go-to restaurant? By the way, I'll treat, but the go-to restaurant that you would take me to. The go-to restaurant in my area, if you're coming to North Palm Beach County, Florida, yep. is uh, is probably a tiny, tiny little place called Little Moore's, M-O-I-R apostrophe S, Food Shack. Mm. And, and if what are they known didn't, for? If you didn't go there, he's got a second restaurant called Leftovers, which is a few miles away also that serves an almost identical menu. So It's the food they don't sell at the main the restaurant, same, they just hand off the to the menu. leftovers. Yeah. So either one, you can go to either one, but Little Ma's Food Shack, which is on Indian Town Road and US One, right on that corner in the public shopping center. It's it's this big. It's been around for a number of years now. And it's all kind of a blend of Floribian seafood mixed with Hawaiian Asian flares. Wow. Okay. So it's really neat. He's got a lot of cool stuff on the menu. There is a specialty item. And when people come, I take them here and I say, get the sweet potato encrusted fish. All the fish is fresh daily. He gets super fresh fish in. If you're super lucky, he'll have golden tile. So you get golden tile, sweet potato encrusted on a bed of lettuce. It is ridiculously good. Wow. That sounds unbelievable. Definitely, definitely would love to try that. And what about sites to see? What what would be something I'd have to see that it would be unique? The unique thing in my area that I love taking people to is the lighthouse. We have a Jupiter lighthouse. It's what Jupiter is known for. Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens are kind of sister cities right next to each other. So I consider North Palm my home and North Palm is like 
the village of North Palm, Palm Beach Gardens, Tequesta. I live in Tequesta, which is a village, you know, and then and then uh, Jupiter and the lighthouse is up in this area. It's a great historical museum. There's a lot of history in my area. And if you're an outdoorsy person, you can actually rent a canoe, go through the the river here, the Loxatcha River, come out, go to the lighthouse, end up at the lighthouse, see the lighthouse. It's just, it's a beautiful day. Wow. Fantastic. And then what are the locals into? What are you and, and other people that live in the area doing on a daily basis to keep busy and, and entertained? So North Palm Beach is notably all about golf and water. Okay. So if you're not golfing, you're deep sea fishing. Deep sea if fishing. If you're not okay. deep sea fishing, you're backwoods fishing. If you're not backwoods fishing, you're kayaking or doing something outside or hanging out on a gorgeous beach because Jupiter Beach is probably one of the most beautiful beaches in all of Florida. It's wonderful. Wow, really we just great. it's outdoors. We're all about the outdoors. Yeah. If my son hears this podcast, then he's gonna he's gonna start asking me to take him fishing down there because he's all come, about the fishing. Come, come, come. Yeah. Well, listen, Brian, this has been amazing. I think you know, there's so many takeaways that people listening should have written down or, or just put in their head. And if people want to get in touch with you to refer you work or to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Super easy. If you Google my name, Brian Lebovic, I'm the only one in the whole United States of America, probably the world, B-R-I-A-N-L-A-B-O-V-I-C-K, Lebovic.com. I also have my own website, personal brand, BrianLebovic.com. You can call me at any of the numbers that pop up on the you know internet by Googling my name and the, they all have operators who will get to me. That's the easiest way. You can okay. email me at my email address, which is my name, Brian at Lebovic.com. Pretty nice. easy. Yeah. And if you want to call me, you can call 866-LEBOVIC and you'll get my office. Oh my God, even the phone number. Jeez. So yeah, all pretty right. much all branded LeBovic. Yeah. There you go. It's the name. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And I'm it's Steve. At, it's I'm, made I'm, up for us. And I'm Steve at fretson.com. So I was able to, to post that from all the, the other Fretzens in the world that, that weren't smart enough to get it before me. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for being my guest and for sharing your wisdom and everything. Just really amazing having you on the show. and. You know, just, just, I'm just, I'm blown away. And, and as people know, I, I take notes. So I've got all these things written down. I have to research after over coaches and leadership therapy and team players and all the different stuff you've shared. So really, really great. Thank you, Steve. It's been an honor. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And hey, everybody, thank you for spending some time with Brian and I today. And listen, it's all about being that lawyer. And, and Brian certainly is uh, that lawyer and a confident, organized, a skilled rainmaker. You know, you got to get there. And at some point, you got to start thinking about who's going to help you and how it's going to work out. So uh, listen, be safe, be well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for spending some time. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.